Well, this is our fourth session, as I mentioned, under the authority of the believer. And so far, we've looked at how God created everything that we can see with words. This is very, very important because I can say that, and we've heard it so many times, just slips past us. But I want you to, to really listen. It is important that we understand that God created everything in this world. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything, everything with words, okay, words. He did it with words of authority, words of authority. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we see God speaking creation into existence. And we went over this the last couple of weeks. And you know, I I was just thinking about this and and just kind of work with me on this. But in Genesis chapter 1, where it begins to talk about what God did, You know, it could read like this. Listen carefully. It could read, and God said, light be, waters be divided, let dry land appear, let the waters abound with living creatures, and so on. And it it could have went one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Did God have to stop and go one thing to the next? No, he could have just da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. In other words, if man would have written the Bible... If man would have had it, man would have done it like this. God said and then listed bullets and wrote down every little thing he said next to bullets so he wouldn't have to repeat God said. (laughs) In other words, there's a lot of different ways it could have, but the Holy Spirit specifically let us see the importance of faith being released by words. There's a reason why Genesis 1 is laid out like it is, so that we can see it. Notice that is a book that we often go back to and look at. Well, God laid it out for a reason. God said, light be. And then, of course, we know that light became. Uh, God said, let the earth bring forth cattle and every creeping thing. God said, let the waters abound with living creatures. Everything God said, or that he, and he made, he said was good. After God made man and gave him dominion over all the earth and everything in it, God said it was very good. Okay, So when God says something, he means what he says and says what he means. And he said it was very good. Good. That is very, very important for us to see that God was expressing something. Everything he called good in creation, but when he gave man dominion over everything that he had made and over everything on the earth, he said it was very good. Very good. And so that's important. Now I want you to hear something about what God did as far as man and that dominion. God gave man absolute authority. In other words, no strings attached. Unrestricted authority over the earth. Did you hear what I said? That's very important. God didn't, God gave zero qualifications. He didn't say, if man does this, if man abides by this. He just said what? He gave man dominion. No restrictions, nothing binding him, nothing bringing him down, nothing restricting him. No restrictions whatsoever. Now, we learn this, that God did this and he does not violate his word. Once God said it, it was done. That's it. 
That's all that's going to be said about it. It is over with. Now, we know last week we looked at how Adam committed high treason and turned over man's authority to Satan. Jesus came and, of course, defeated Satan and stripped the devil of his power and authority. And, in fact, to be honest with you, now there is more authority available to man than what was originally available to Adam. Now, we'll touch on that today a little bit if we make it, and then next week. But seriously, that the level of authority given to man is actually higher now than it was with Adam. Now, what we see there, just to help us out a little bit, if you want to write this down, is Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, where Jesus said this. He said, all authority. Everybody say, all authority. Can't be any more than that, can there? All means what? All. All authority. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. Now Jesus is a man. And he has all authority over heaven and earth. Remember, what was Adam given authority over? The earth. And so things have changed now. And, you know, praise God, Jesus will never lose that authority. Amen? Again, that's, we're never going to have a repeat. We're never going to have the same thing happen with the first Adam. The second Adam will not fail us. Jesus will not fail. Amen? He, our Redeemer, is faithful. But we need to understand something, and I mentioned this last week. We need to understand that even though we as believers have been removed from the authority of darkness we still must contend with Satan. In other words, sickness, disease, poverty, fear, stress, anything you could name like that along those lines are still present in the earth. Okay, They're still here. We were told by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5.8, this is the New Living, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So our enemy, Satan, is still out there and he still has one thing in mind. Steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I know that as believers, we're free from his authority and power. But nonetheless, he's still on the earth. He's still roaming around. He's still causing problems. We're in this world again, but we are not of this world. That's what makes us different. As a believer, our job on the earth while we're here is to enforce the devil's defeat by learning and using the authority that's been given to us. That's why we're teaching this. That's why, for many of you, you're rehearsing this. Because we need to be reminded that we are enforcing what Jesus did. Amen? We're enforcing the enemy's defeat. And so tonight... What we're going to do is, and this will probably be a two-parter, we're going to look at exercising authority. So I want you to go in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 8. And let's look at authority and action. Authority and action. Because remember, this is what it's all about, right? We call, we're calling the series Authority of the Believer. It's all about authority. Matthew chapter 8, and let's begin with verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. 
Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now, just so you understand, a centurion is a Roman soldier. Um, This one is apparently was very kind to the Jews. I believe that this person, it tells us, loved God. Uh, He was generous. He would help out the Jews. He, like I said, he had a heart for God. He's still a Gentile. He's still outside the covenant, but he does love God. He does. He's doing what he knows to do. Okay, but he has a certain understanding that has helped his faith greatly, and that is the understanding of authority, mainly because he is in the military and he understands delegation. He understands authority, and so. In verse 7, well, let's start with verse 6. And he comes to Jesus, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, most of us think, well, that'd be wonderful. Let's go. <laughs> and so I will come and heal him. But this guy had different, different thing in mind. The centurion in verse 8 answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my, under my roof. But there's something he says here. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. I would underline that in your Bible if you, if you have the ability to do that. Only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Now, I want you to remember, how did God create everything? With what? Words. Words of authority, right? He spoke. It was done. He spoke. It was done. He's saying, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. This guy had confidence. My servant will be healed if you just speak the word. You don't need to come. I'm not worried about the distance. That's not an issue. Now, he explains why. Verse 9, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, he goes on to express this to Jesus, and again, he's a soldier, and he delegates. And he he delegates how? How does he delegate his authority? How does he use his authority? Through words. And he just says, do this, it's done, as far as he's concerned. I mean, that is all it takes. Do this, it's done. Come, and they come. Go, and they go. So in other words, he understands that if I have authority over someone, all I have to do to exercise that authority is what? Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Now, we get insight now into his thinking and how he perceived Jesus. This is very interesting. Verse 9, or not verse 9, he says all this, verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. (laughs) Jesus is blown away. And said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He's saying, listen, out of all the Israelites I've run into, I've never seen anybody with this level of faith. He's impressed. This guy's a Gentile. And he's got a better hold of it than most of these Jewish guys. Look, verse 11 And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, 
but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. In other words, you, son, you, you could read this and say, what in the world is he talking about? Cast out into outer darkness and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Now, that's not the common vernacular we use, right? I mean, I, my son, he came home and did something he shouldn't have done and he was cast into outer darkness and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> what Jesus is saying here, just to help you out a little bit, He's saying, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. And he's talking in the future about how there will be get-togethers. And remember, that's what he's saying. They'll come from the east and they'll come from the west. They'll come from all over and they'll sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says here, but the sons of the kingdom, the sons of the kingdom, those who said they knew Jesus, but weren't really walking in it, He said here that they'll be cast into outer darkness. In other words, they're saying one thing, but they're not really living it. They're not doing it. Who should be the ones, in other words, that should be walking at a high degree of faith? The Israelites. Weren't they the first ones that everything was given to? Right? They were given everything. They had the covenant. They had everything. And yet they wasted it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying this Gentile has got more going on than these guys who should have everything going on. And so when he says they'll be cast into outer darkness, he's not saying like cast to hell. He's saying what's darkness? The opposite of what? Light. Opposite of God's glory. In other words, they're going to be moved out from that. They're not going to be hanging around. Why? Because you should have done something with what you learned. Dear Lord, you were outdone by this guy. You know, you should have done more than that. Uh, more was expected of them. And they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth is just a, an old way of saying they're not happy is another way of saying it. But look what Jesus said in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. The important part that we want to pull out of this verse, though, is this guy saying, speak a word only and my servant will be healed. It had nothing to do with time, distance. It had nothing to do with any of that. It had everything to do with authority. Everything to do with authority. And because this centurion had a real good grasp of that, he put things together. He saw something. He realized, he, see, obviously... The centurion had faith in Jesus, right? Well, we all agree. He must have heard something. He probably saw the good things that Jesus was doing and heard stories. Remember, what was Jesus doing? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, right? For God was with him. Well, the centurion had to hear these things, had to see these things. How does faith come? By hearing, by hearing. So he's hearing these things, and he knows this. Listen to me carefully. The centurion knew that Jesus had authority over sickness and disease. How did he know that? Because he went around healing people. He went around speaking, devil, get out of that person. This sickness, be gone, that kind of thing. He, he saw that. He, he recognized something. Wait a minute. If he's just speaking a word, if he's just saying that, and it's being done, he must, he deduced, he must have authority over sickness and disease. And if he has authority over sickness and disease, it doesn't matter where he is. He just needs to, how do you issue authority? How do you, how do you delegate that power? You just speak the word. Go, 
and they go, come, and they come. So if he said, be healed, that's all that's necessary. You don't need to say any more. This guy had a tremendous amount of faith in Jesus' words. Speak the word only. See, in other words, what I'm trying to say gets back to this. Authority is expressed through words. Authority is expressed through words. That is so vital to our victory. It is vital that we understand. That's how God created everything. And that's how we see things, God deal with things. And that's how you and I use our faith. Authority is expressed through words. I could say this, for example. I could say to so-and-so that are under my authority, go do this, and they do it. And come back and do this, and they, they do it. That's the end of it. Why do they do it? Why do they do it? They do it because they're under authority. Because they're under that authority. What I'm trying to say is they must obey authority. Several of you guys have been in the military. And I'll bet you you didn't have an option. That when a superior you know, said to go do something, that was the end of it. Am I right? Well, to mouth off. In other words, how, who was in the military? I know you were. I know you were. Anybody else? No? Okay. The reality is it, it paid well just to shut up and obey. I remember my son when he, he's just in the reserves, but not just in the reserves, but I mean, he's in the reserves. He was, you know, just young punk, you know, right out of high school. And he goes right into things and he's going for basic. And they said they got off the bus. They were just outside of St. Louis. I just can't remember the name of the, the place, but he said that they got out, it was pouring, raining out. And man, they were yelling at us to do this and do that. We haven't even done anything. It was just, and he said there were some of the young men crying. And I, I said, well, what'd you do? Because I'm thinking, please don't embarrass me by telling me that you cried. And he's like, he's like, no, dad, I just looked down, shut up and did whatever they said. <laughs> I never even looked him in the eye. I just did whatever they said to do. And, and didn't, you know, I didn't want to be pulled out, didn't want to have a smirk on my face, nothing. I just looked down and did what they said. My point is, is that, that when we understand authority, and I think a lot of people outside of the military have a harder time understanding it, unless you had maybe a, a, a good dictator at home for a parent, you know, or something like that, where, well, why do I have to do that? Because I told you, and if you say it again, you're going to regret it. When it came to my kids, I did have an issue with when I said to do something, I meant do something. I didn't mean you asked me a bunch of things. Now, I wasn't hard. I didn't beat my kids or anything like that. But I didn't like being questioned. Now, the reason I didn't like being questioned is I wanted them to understand and learn. Just do what you're told. You know, as long as you're not breaking any rules or laws or anything, do what you're told. Learn to do that. There's so many people out in the, they get out there, you know, right out of high school, and they go out and they question everything. And there's nothing worse than having some young punk question you when you're telling them to do something. Am I right? Anybody here? If you've ever been in a leadership position, just do what I told you to do. Dear Lord, you know, why do you have to know everything? Am I right? Just shut up and do it. That's the way I said to do it. Boy, not everybody's happy about that. But say, well, you shouldn't treat people that way. Well, I dare you to go to the military and tell them that. <laughs> why? Well, it's good training. You do it without thinking. You just do what you're told. I believe with the Lord. Yes, sir. In other words, the Lord says, you know, jump. You say what? How high? 
What do you want me to do? He said, give. You say, how much? You don't question him. You just do what he told. And the faster you're obedient, the faster God can use you, the more he can trust you. Amen? And the quicker you'll hear him. Don't give time to question, was that the Lord? Well, the devil wasn't telling you to give anything. The devil wasn't saying, go pray for that person. And you say, is the Lord speaking to me to go help them? The devil's certainly not telling you to help them, right? In other words, the quicker you'll obey, the more you'll realize you're hearing God and you'll see the fruits of it every time. You do hear God. Say, I hear God. You need to quit questioning yourself. Is that the Lord? Come on, just go with it. And if anything, well, it's a lesson learned, you know, even if you did miss it a little bit. But you won't miss it. If you're pressing to God, God's, God's full of grace and mercy. I remember one time, Brother Copeland, okay, and he's an amazing man of God, he's done so many great things, but I remember hearing a story he told one time, and he was first learning these things about flowing with the gifts of the Spirit and being used in the gift of prophecy. And he may not have been a newbie at it, but it was, I think, his first time maybe in ministry where he was used forcefully with it. And he said there, there was a, a prophecy and he said he's giving this word and it's really good the problem is when god stopped he didn't <laughs> and he's just going on and on and on and on it's it's not the lord leading him and he knows it and when it was all said and done he knows it and so he goes back and he says he finally had some alone time with the lord after the meeting and the lord <laughs> you know had a little talk with him <laughs> son you know as well as i do that you went farther than i did in other words he said don't ever do it again He said, but because you love me and your heart's right, I will honor every word that came out of your mouth as if I'm the one that said it. And so God brought to pass everything that he had said, even though he went beyond that. But I guarantee you think the Lord would do it a second time? I don't think so. (laughs) In other words, isn't God gracious? Think of the best dad in the world, and our God is so far beyond that. We get this impression that he's ready to beat on us and point out our faults and problems. It's just the opposite. I mean, we can screw up and screw up and screw up and screw up. And the story, remember, of the, the son who took his inheritance and went and wasted it all? And we get so lost about the son, we forget about the father. What was the father doing? Every day he was looking for his son to come home. And what did he do when he came home? He didn't ream him. He didn't pick on him. He said, let's celebrate and restore him. Amen. Back to where he was. I mean, that's such a good story about our Heavenly Father. Amen. That's really what the story is about. So what we have here is, again, that in authority, obedience is necessary. So if, for example, sickness and disease, it must obey authority. Sickness and disease has to obey authority. What name is above all names? Jesus' name. Well, sickness and disease, they got names, and they must bow. They must give. They must yield. So the power behind authority is released through words. How do you release your authority? You release it through words. So we saw that example of exercising authority. Let's look at Jesus exercising authority. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. And I want you to see this from this point this exercising authority. Mark chapter 11, we'll look at a very familiar passage, but I want you to to not let go of your faith point of view, but see this fresh from this perspective. Mark 11, beginning with verse 12. 
Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, disappointed of course, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now notice verse 14. It's interesting. It says, in response. In response. In response. Responding to what? I want you to stop and think about that. Were circumstances what they should have been? No. That tree should not have had the leaves and not had the figs. It should have had figs, in other words, if it had the leaves. And so Jesus is excited. He's hungry. There's not a local quick trip every corner, guys. He's hungry. And he runs up to it, excited to eat a fig. And the fig tree said, nanner, nanner, nanner. Sorry, no figs. And something, is something wrong with this tree? Something is wrong with the tree. It shouldn't be producing these leaves like that without producing the figs. That's why Jesus was disappointed. Notice in response, we're going to have circumstances in life that we don't like. Things that shouldn't be that way. Is it okay for your spouse to be full of sickness and disease? No. No. That's a circumstance I want to see changed. Well, Jesus is up against a circumstance he wants to see changed. So what does he do? In response to what it did, it kind of slapped him a little bit. You're going to have circumstances in life that are going to come up and slap you. You don't like them. You don't, you don't want them that way. So in response, verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it, to it what? He spoke to the tree. Now, most of us in the natural world would think, okay, Jesus is a little bit too hungry. He's speaking to a tree. Think about the disciples watching him. You okay, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, you're talking to the tree as if the tree did something wrong, you know. Well, in his mind, it did. <laughs> in his mind, something was wrong. He didn't want somebody else running into the same situation running up to it happily that there should be figs because they saw the leaves. So he's going to take care of this once and for all. This tree is messed up, and so I'm going to uh, take care of it for everybody. In response, Jesus said to it, he talked to the tree. He talked to the thing that he wanted to see changed. What did God do when he saw darkness? Did he say, oh my, it's dark in here. What are we going to do about this? What do you think, Jesus? It's pretty dark. Well, no, what did he say? He said what he wanted. He spoke to the circumstance and released authority through words and said what he wanted, not what he saw. So Jesus, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. They heard him out loud say this. No one eat fruit from you ever again. He cursed that tree. What's going to happen if he curses the tree? The tree's going to what? It's going to die. It's going to die and eventually be part of the earth again and, and so on and so forth. Well, I want you to notice that. The disciples heard it. They heard what? Words of authority. What authority? God gave man dominion over the earth. Jesus was exercising that man-given authority. You might say, no, no, no. He was operating as Jesus, the Son of God. No, he was not. 
No, he was not. He gave up those powers. He gave up that ability, and he was born of a woman. Listen to me. Jesus was all man and all God at the same time. He had the blood of God flowing in his veins. He was alive to God, but he was operating as a man. You understand that? As a man. He's operating under man's authority. He couldn't be operating under his own authority because what did God do? He gave it to who? Man. And if Jesus spoke under his authority as the Son of God, he would be undermining man and he would be violating his own word. So Jesus didn't, listen to me, Jesus didn't talk to that tree under the authority of being God. He did it as a man. Same authority you have. Same authority, okay? So I want you to understand that Jesus spoke to that tree. He exercised his God-given dominion because God gave man dominion. And he exercised it to that tree. So the Lord Jesus shows us how to use that authority through this example. Look in Mark eleven twenty. Now in the morning, as they pass by, so they're coming by the same area, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Dried up from the what? Roots. Can you see the roots of a tree? Where are they? They're underground. So the moment Jesus said, let no man eat from you ever again, what was happening? You might not have saw anything on the surface, but something was happening at those roots the moment those words left his lips. That tree had to obey. You get it? It had to obey. It had to obey. Words of authority were released, and it had to obey. And immediately, immediately, I guarantee you, immediately something began to happen underneath that tree where you couldn't see it. Now, how long do you think it takes to kill a normal tree? You think that if you mess with it a little bit on the outside that it would take one day and the tree's already dead? But if you killed the roots and it started doing that much damage instantly, could it kill the tree very, very quickly? (laughs) Think about that. The next day, the next day, the tree is visibly dead. I mean, right there in front of them. That's how they remember. Peter walks by, hey, Jesus, isn't that the tree you just talked to yesterday? And now Jesus uses this as an excellent illustration. So go back to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed yesterday has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, now he's going to use this as a teaching moment. He says, have faith in God. What he's really saying here is, have the faith of God. In other words, I'm showing you how to walk, you do the same thing I did. The same way God created creation. This is the same way. We're made in His image. We have been given dominion and He's showing us how to use it. So He says, have the faith of God. Or this is how God's faith works. This is how I want you to to act on it in your own life. Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever, everybody say whoever, 
So does everybody qualified? How many people can speak on this earth? Can a koala bear speak? Elephant speak? So somebody's got to do some speaking though, right? Who are the only ones that can speak? People. 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 Who are the ones given dominion? So whoever. Do they got to be born again? Some of you are like, oh. Do you need to be born again? Well, let me ask you this. Is making, if I get born again, if I wasn't yesterday and I got born again today, am I now a man and I wasn't yesterday? I promise you, I was born boy, through and through, you know. I was born, I'm here, you're here, right? It doesn't matter, male or female, and it doesn't matter, born again or not. Man was given dominion. Remember, no restrictions. It didn't say, if you obey God, you were given dominion. It didn't say, if you were born again, if you were righteous, if you were anything. It said what? If you're a person... And you're born on this earth. You have dominion. You're born right into it. It is your birthright. Right at, right at birth. You come out. It's the first time you can speak, you can speak to something. I want you to see that. Whoever. Everybody say again, whoever. So this works good and bad, doesn't it? <laughs> works good and bad. It doesn't matter. It'll work on anything. Whoever says to this mountain, and there happened to be a mountain here in the background. And he says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, what is be removed, be cast into the sea? What are those? He said, what are those? Words. Words. He's saying, whoever will say, whoever will say what they want, what they desire, whoever will say, how is authority issued? By words. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, this man will have whatever he says. So what is the key here? Sometimes we can focus on does not doubt in his heart, does not doubt in his heart. No, no, no. Focus on believes whatever he says. The key is you have to believe everything you say. You have to believe it. Do you think Jesus believed every word that came out of his mouth? You think he wasted words? You think he would call a giant camel, you pretty little thing? Or would he call a camel a camel? And it's a big thing. In other words, I believe Jesus joked, had fun, but there was a line. There was, there was certain things he wouldn't do. He would always call things what they are in the sense that he believed everything he said. Sometimes we say things, and what do we say? Oh, I didn't mean that. You guys follow me on that? Do you not do that a lot? Oh, I didn't mean that. Then why'd you say it? Why'd you say it? You ever say a hateful thing and then you say you didn't mean that? Yes, you did, you liar. You meant every word you said. You just regret that you said it. You're sad that you got caught. You, you don't like the fact that now I'm cornered <laughs> and everybody knows it. But the reality is, is what we need to learn is 
say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't, don't joke around with this part of things. It's very serious. Why? Because in order for me to believe what I'm going to say, I have to believe every word that comes out my mouth. You know what that means? Don't say anything I don't want. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Don't say anything I don't want. I don't, don't want that in my life. So just shut up and don't say anything. And only say what you want. Only say so you can believe every word coming out your mouth. Only say what you desire. A, a good, good way to do this is think before you speak. Don't speak on impulse. Don't speak on a reaction to anger. Don't speak just because you're happy or you're sad. Don't speak on emotion. Stop and think about what you're, you're saying. Because what? Well, you have authority in this world, in your life. You understand that? your circumstances and everything you have authority over, then you need to say and understand, my words mean business. I'm serious. I'm, I'm that serious because my life is depending on it. My health is depending on it. You understand that? Why do you think the devil works so hard to get us to say things? If we have authority, why does he work so hard to get us to say things we don't want in life, we really don't want in life? But we, ha, 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 we're just joking. Think about this. The other night I was watching a show just on regular TV, you know, the, where you see the commercials. And most of us don't do that anymore. Or at least I don't. I watch Netflix and I just, I want to watch. I, I hate commercials. I despise them. And I get annoyed if I have to see a commercial. But every once in a while there's a show I might want to watch and I got to put up with the commercials in between. Usually I got something to read while that's going on. But anyway the other night i'm sitting there watching it's just a half an hour show and you know you get 15 minutes worth of commercials every single one of them every single one of them had some new drug to fix something and every single one of them started off with my heart condition my and you name the disease and they talk about how passionate they are about their condition my I don't even know the names of these diseases. But what I'm saying is, there's a reason why the enemy wants us to say that. If I have authority in my life on this earth, and I can, and I, now I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, but I'm saying, I'm speaking out of two sides of my mouth, I'm saying what the Word says here, but then I'm saying how I feel, what I see the circumstances, what the doctor said, what am I issuing? If I say I have blankety-blank cancer, what am I saying? My words carry authority. My words are going into action. My words will produce. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get is authority is issued with words. Say it with me again. Authority is issued with words. It's so important that we understand the words that we speak. And stop and say, wait a minute now, I don't want that in my life. I want this. You see, you have been given, listen carefully, you have been given dominion on the earth. Anything that concerns you and your immediate family, let's say, whoever lives with you, whoever is under your roof and you're the top authority, you have authority in that area. Now, you don't have authority in your neighbor's yard. 
But you have authority in your yard. You have authority in your life. You have authority over things that concern you in life. You understand that? Deal with it accordingly. Look at life that way. That's why you need to be hearing these things over and over to realize, wait a minute now, I don't want that in my life. I want that in my life. So what I need to do is start talking to it. I have authority over my wallet. Be filled and overflowing in Jesus' name. I got authority over my checking account. I got authority over any of my accounts. Talk to them. Tell them to be full. Now, that doesn't just mean you can ignore the other parts of the word. What, is, what do you got to do? In order to reap, I got to sow, <laughs> right? And, and, in order to have certain things in my life, I got to be walking in love. My faith won't work without love. And so, you know, you ever notice how the word of God just all... We teach it to break it down, but it all kind of comes together. You know, we got to do what we know to do. But at the same time, you have far, listen to me, guys, you have far more authority in your life than you realize. You say, well, it's all up to the Lord. Oh, my gosh, you are opening yourself up for trouble. Why? Because the devil's on this earth and he can mess with circumstances. Don't let him. God, listen to me. What is, we're not going to get into tonight because I don't have enough time. But what is, the, what is the power backing up your authority? God's power. The Almighty. The one with whom nothing is impossible is the one backing up. Remember, the same power that everything that He spoke cannot be undone, right? He spoke it and it was done. That same power is backing you up in your authority. I just want you to understand you have far more authority in your life than you realize, than you're exercising over your health, over your family, over your home, over your finances, over everything in your life. You have far more authority. It's just sometimes the devil wants us to believe that, you know, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. And that's just opening ourselves up. Well, we just want to know the plan of God. The plan of God is right here. The plan of God is what? That you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the plan of God. You don't have to get a word from God. You got a word from God. Amen? And when you get this word in your heart and you start speaking it out your mouth, things are changing. Now, you might say, well, I said it, Pastor, and I didn't see a change. Remember, Jesus cursed that tree. Did he see a physical change immediately? But what was happening? Those roots were dead. For that thing to look like it's dead the next day, it had to have been working immediately. And the Bible says specifically from the roots up. From the roots up, that thing is dying. When you speak to something, you might not see any change in the natural. Don't think for one moment that that authority you expressed, if your heart is filled with the Word of God, is not working on your behalf. See, that's what the devil wants you to believe. I told this to Philip, and I want to express it to all of you. I was just talking to him last Sunday, and he considered it something that really blessed him. But I want you to, everybody to get this. Satan already knows he's defeated in your life. So his goal is to draw you in to this soulish arena or to this area in the natural. And if he can draw you into the natural, 
he has a real chance of defeating you in life. Because what are you looking at in the natural? You're looking at how you feel. You're looking at the circumstances. You're considering all these factors. But if you will draw Satan into the spirit realm, he's already been defeated and he knows it. And if you keep him there, you keep him there how? With the word of God and you stay on it, he's defeated and he knows it. And he'll just quit and give up and go find someone else to pick on. He cannot win in the spirit realm. He is already defeated. But if he can draw you into the natural realm, that's where he's got a chance of of doing some damage in your life. That's faith, isn't it? Faith is what? Believing God's word regardless of what I can see, what I can feel, what I hear. Right? Faith doesn't operate in this natural realm. It changes the natural realm. But it operates in the realm of the Spirit. You understand that? And so you keep Him in the Spirit, and you got Him right where you want Him. But if He can draw you into the natural, He's got a good chance of whipping you. Did everybody get that? If you need a private seminar on that, I'll help you. But what, that, that's walking by faith. It's not, it's, it's not a head thing. It's not a, well, pastor, I prayed and I don't understand how. Right there is the problem. Why don't you not worry about how? And just believe God. Believe His Word. And it would get His Word so deep down in your heart that you, what you just something goes off and you got the revelation of it down deep in here. Again, how do you guys know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? Well, you know by the Word of God, but you just know it, don't you? You just know it. Well, God, that same faith, that same operation, that same knowing is getting the Word of God on what it says about finances in your life. And you get it so deep-rooted in your heart that there ain't nothing that can stop that. No devil in hell can stop that thing from coming to pass in your life. But you have to, listen to me, you have to, you have to get the Word of God in your heart. And then when you get it in your heart and you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, there's no force in the universe that can stop it. Amen? I don't know about you, I get so excited talking about this stuff. I do. I mean, and you know, start acting on it. Start speaking to the things in your life. Don't let them go.